You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. God of all wisdom, by your Spirit transform our hearts that we might treasure your wisdom that we might love what you love and hate what you hate. Guard and protect us by your Spirit so that we might reach our world to know, love, and live for Jesus. Amen. Should I apply for that job? Should I buy that house? Should I marry that girl? How do you go about making those kinds of decisions? What, what factors come into play? How do you know that you're actually making the right call? I don't know if you've heard of the man who came to a fork in the road of his life and not knowing which path to take, he cried out, Lord, tell me what to do. So he did what any good Christian does, or not. He opened his Bible at random. And it fell open at Matthew chapter 27, verse 5. Then Judas went away and hanged himself. He thought, surely that can't be what God is saying. So he flipped again at random to another page. Luke chapter 10, verse 37. Go and do likewise. One one last time, one last time, he thought. And his Bible fell open at the page. John chapter 13, verse 27. What you're about to do, do quickly. (laughs) Maybe you're a bit like that man. You read the Bible a bit like a how-to guide for every life situation. Don't worry if it's a problem with your marriage, just turn to M and follow steps 1 to 25. If you're struggling with doubt, then here are 10 steps to a doubt-free faith. Or if anxiety is your game, then this is the silver bullet that will calm your every storm. I don't know if you've realized, but the Bible doesn't quite work that way, and wisdom doesn't quite work that way. The Bible isn't really an Ikea manual to assemble your life. Proverbs isn't a dummy's guide to wisdom. Last week we saw that wisdom is is the skill of living well. And it all starts with fearing the Lord, trusting the God who created us, depending on the God who saved us in love. And, And wisdom doesn't really tell us what to do so much as it changes who we are. It changes us from the inside out. Wisdom starts by reshaping what we love. Wisdom starts by transforming our hearts. The heart of wisdom is a transformed heart. Now, I don't know what it was like for you, but for me growing up, my dad used to give my brother and me free advice, totally not asked for and not solicited. Make sure you save up for a house. Make sure you study hard at uni. Make sure you find a wife who loves the Lord. But, but you know what? The advice that he'd always repeat, the, the advice that was most important, the advice that mattered more than any other piece of advice was this. Don't be stupid. When you grow up, don't forget what I'm saying. M- make sure you listen to the right people. You know, it takes effort to be wise. It's hard work. You're only as wise as the words you remember. Well, that's sort of what Solomon is telling us in this chapter. Don't be a fool. Don't forget what I'm saying. Make sure you listen to the right people. 
It takes effort to be wise. It's hard work. You're only as wise as the words you remember. Just look at what he says in verses 1 to 4. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. See, friends, I wonder, can you hear how desperately Solomon wants us to pursue wisdom? Can you hear how for him, wisdom is the most valuable treasure in our lives? It's like a dad giving advice to his son. Mate, you don't just suddenly become wise. It takes effort. It's hard work. It's something you need to seek, something that you need to pursue. It's something that you need to actually apply yourself toward each and every day. Oh, I see. You say that you're not disciplined, but I see you are. I see how disciplined you are when it comes to your physical fitness. Every day, you hit the gym. Every meal, you watch your calorie intake. Every moment, you're staring at yourself in the mirror. See, if you're going to be wise, if you're going to be spiritually fit, then every day, listen to my words. Every decision, remember my words. Every moment, treasure my words. You need to get wisdom deep into your heart. That's what verse 2 is saying, isn't it? Direct your heart to understanding. I mean, wisdom isn't just something we use. It's part of who we are. It changes our character from the inside out. Just think about it. You're confronted with a major life decision. You don't come to it and say, look, I think unlike any other moment in my life, now is the time that I need to be wise. No, you, you just are wise or you're not. And so what we find here What Solomon is telling us, and Solomon is telling his son, that if there is one thing in this world to pursue with all your heart, it's wisdom. Because wisdom won't just help you live a good life. It'll help you live a godly life. It'll help you live a life worth living. A life with Jesus as your king. My gosh, if you're going to pursue anything in life, pursue that. Pursue it just like you would pursue Brothers, the the woman that you love, the woman who's captured your heart and who you've fallen in love with, the one who you won't give up on, the girl who you give everything for. Pursue wisdom like you pursue her. Pursue wisdom as if it's the most valuable and precious treasure that you'll ever, ever find. Verse 4 calls us to pursue it like silver, to chase after it like hidden treasure. You see, wisdom is infinitely more precious than fame, success, wealth, health, or pleasure. And just as we get worldly wisdom from our earthly fathers, we get true wisdom from our heavenly father. We find true wisdom in a relationship with God. It's like, as I get closer to my father, I get more of his wisdom. And as I get more of his wisdom, I naturally get closer to him. Well, it's the same thing with God. As we get closer to this God, we get more of His wisdom. And as we get more of His wisdom, we get closer to Him. That's why verses 5 and 6 promise us that if we pursue wisdom, then we will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom 
starts with knowing the God who created this world. It starts with knowing the God who promised to save this world through Jesus. It starts with not just knowing Him, but trusting Him, depending on Him, fearing Him. It starts with acknowledging that God is God and we are not. You see, friends, you and I, every single one of us in this hall today, we need to get wisdom deep into our hearts. A number of years ago, I was back in Malaysia, and a thunderstorm had hit Penang and flooded most of the Georgetown area where we were staying. Of course, as usual, my cousins and I were out eating supper at the time, and as we drove home, we arrived at the head of our street. But here was the problem. The water that flooded the area was waist high, and our car could not get through. So how were we to go home? Well, we had to walk the last 20 meters to our house, wading through drain water. Now, that would be all good and well, I guess, except for the fact that in Malaysia, as you might know, uh, the drains are open and they're about a good meter or two deep. And with the water up to our waist, we really couldn't see where we were going. I think I knew where the drain was, but I didn't really know for sure. And one wrong step and six feet under. We needed a guide. We needed someone to guard and protect us. We needed my cousin, who made it to the end. Well, that's somewhat of what wisdom does. And that's what God does when we trust Him and when we fear Him. Look at verses 7 and 8. Do you notice the picture of a journey here? If we trust God, if we fear the Lord, verse 8 tells us that He will guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. God promises to guard and protect us. He will guard us all the way through the waters, as it were, all the way home. And verse 9 tells us that he will take us all the way to righteousness, justice, and integrity. Every good path. Let's stretch the metaphor a bit. It doesn't mean that we're not going to wade through the drain water, as it were doesn't mean that we won't endure hardships, suffering and trials, but it does mean that God will guide our every step through it to our true destination. Godliness, Christ-likeness, righteousness, justice and integrity. Do you see that good path of verse 9? It's, it's talking about an off-beaten track, an unpaved path that branches away from the main road. God, in His wisdom, will often guide us to the road less traveled. He'll guide us to a life of righteousness, justice, and integrity. You see, wisdom cares far more about who we are than where we are. It's not really about airlifting us out of a crisis or changing our circumstances necessarily. It's actually about making us more like Jesus. So often I expect God to make my every problem disappear. I look at it, I don't know what to do, and I pray to God, I cry out, and I think, well, God the Builder, can He fix it? God the Builder, yes, He can. But all too often, I'm, I'm blind to what God is really doing. I'm blind to what He really cares about, to make me more righteous, more just, and more full of integrity, to make me more godly and holy, to make me more like His Son. That's what wisdom is about, our character more than our circumstance. Not long ago, one of my friends, she was stuck in a job that, to be honest, she hated it. She used to tell me every day, Adam, I feel, just feel like I'm wasting my life. 
and I just want out. What should I do? What would you tell her? What would you advise? What would you suggest? You might encourage her. Well, have you thought about applying for a different job? But what if she has and she just can't find one? What if she's actually stuck in this hell of a job? Well, I wonder if we might help reframe her work. What if? What if? What if we helped her see that true wisdom is about her character more than her circumstance? Who she is more than what she does? What if we focused on a heart change more than a job swap? What if we helped her to find glory in the ordinary? Satisfaction in Christ, identity by the Spirit, fellowship in the church, mission in her work, and Christ-likeness as her goal. What if we helped get wisdom into her heart? I love driving with my GPS. It makes life so much easier. I really don't have to think about where I'm going. I just, told, just do what I'm told. In 500 meters, turn left. At the roundabout, take the third exit, which apparently means just turn right. But since driving with a GPS, can I tell you, my sense of direction has gotten appallingly bad. Just the other day, my phone died and I had to drive all alone, abandoned by Google Maps. It was as if I was driving in a totally different country. What, what, what I realized was that I'd become so reliant on my GPS that my inner compass had just become broken. I'd totally lost my sense of direction. We often think of wisdom a bit like a GPS, don't we? At the next problem, just turn left. At the problem after that, just take the third exit. But actually, I think it works a bit more like an inner compass, pointing us to our true north. That's what we find in verses 10 and 11. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you, and understanding will guard you. You see, friends, that the heart of wisdom is a transformed heart. Wisdom lives in our hearts, and it changes us from the inside out. But back in verses 8 and 9, it was God who guards and protects us, remember? Well, now here in verses 10 and 11, it's wisdom that guards and protects us. Can you see what God is doing? God guards and protects us through wisdom. He guards and protects us by using wisdom to transform our hearts, to reshape our desires, to condition our loves. Wisdom transforms us into being people who walk with the Lord. The heart of wisdom is a transformed heart. And then out of that transformed heart flow renewed desires, godly loves, and Christ-like motives. And then out of those desires, loves, and motives flow actions, decisions, and words that please the Lord. But don't get things the wrong way around. Don't start by asking God what you should do. Start by asking Him what you should love, who you should love. Wisdom works on our hearts, because the heart, Proverbs says, is the wellspring of life. It, it's the source of who we are and what we do. Our actions, as important as they are, are merely an expression of our souls. Growing up, one of my friends had a knack for saying the worst possible word at the worst possible time. Let's face it, we all have a friend like that, don't we? When you want him to be quiet, just keeps talking. And when you want him to talk, you very quickly regret it. I know you're all thinking about someone right now, just keep it in your heart. 
We all had a nickname for this guy. This is what we called him. No filter. No filter. That was his nickname. Boss. Whatever he thought, whatever he felt, he'd just say it. But let's be fair for a moment. His problem wasn't really that he had no filter, was it? Because his words just revealed his heart. I mean, at least he was consistent. Like you always knew what he thought, you always knew what he felt, and you always knew where you stood. But if I can be a bit more blunt with this dear friend of mine, the problem wasn't so much with his words as it was with his heart. And that's exactly the wisdom that we find in another proverb. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20 to 21, look at it. The tongue of the righteous is pure silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of sense, or literally lack of heart. Our words express what lies in our hearts. And the truth is that we're all a bit like my friend, aren't we? The only difference is that we might just be a bit better at filtering or hiding our sinful hearts. The truth is all of us have a heart problem. All of us have a heart problem. Which is why filters, as important as they are, are never actually the solution. Right? If you want to stop or kill an addiction to pornography, yep, get a filter. Hold yourself accountable to brothers and sisters here at church. Carve your eye out of its socket. Do whatever it takes. But don't be fooled into thinking that action alone is the answer. No, the answer is action and affection. It's a whole new set of desires. The answer is a heart that loves more than lusts. The answer is a heart that loves Jesus. The heart of wisdom is a transformed heart and only God can do that work. Only He can give us new hearts with new desires. I don't know what your experience of church is. Maybe you've, this is your first time in a church or maybe you've grown up in church like I did. And it's remarkable how growing up in church doesn't guarantee that you actually know anything. Well, for most of my life, I presumed or thought that the Bible was just a book of rules. The Bible commands, go to church, read your Bible, pray more. The Bible condemns, don't smoke, don't drink, don't swear. But that's not what the Bible is really about. We often think of Jesus a bit like a life coach giving us advice, but in fact, he's a heart surgeon giving us a transplant. Jesus is on about changing not just what we do, but actually first who we are. And I don't know if it's obvious, but none of us can perform open heart surgery on ourselves. Don't try it. It's a bad idea. Of our own strength, we can't change who we are, what we love or what we desire. Our wills are bonded by sin. By our very nature, we will always think of ourselves, we will always love ourselves, we will always live for ourselves. Our wills will never choose God. We are fundamentally self-centered and nothing we do can change us. But God promises to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus, He gives us a new heart with new desires, new affections and new loves. He makes us a whole new person. He gives us His Holy Spirit to transform us into good, godly and Christ-like people. And my gosh, when the Spirit takes hold of our hearts, He produces in us fruit. Evidence of real heart change. 
The Spirit transforms our hearts and makes us people of Galatians 5. People of the Spirit. People filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In Jesus, God achieves what we could never achieve by ourselves. He gives us hearts to love Him. He gives us hearts to be wise. When you're confronted with a decision, what, what do you pray for? Just think about it. What, what was the last thing that you prayed for? Now, if you're anything like me, you'll probably pray for direction, right? God, tell me what to do. But the heart of wisdom is a transformed heart. So, what if instead we prayed first for a heart that loves God? What if we prayed for a heart that loves what He loves and hates what He hates? What if we prayed for wisdom to enter our hearts before it shapes our heads or our hands? What do your prayers reveal about your heart? Are you looking for an easy answer? Or are you looking for a heart that loves Jesus? You know, if any of us who have wrestled with sin, we, we know from bitter experience that brute force and sheer willpower in the end just doesn't work. Right? I mean, we always end up right back where we started. Defeated by sin yet again. But this time more crushed. More guilty. More helpless than ever before. So before we resolve to live differently, before we decide that this week this is what I'm going to do, why don't we pray for the Spirit to change who we love? Why don't we plead with Him to reorient the affections of our soul? Why don't we ask Him for a heart that delights in His Word? Why don't we pray to God that, he might, that we might walk by His Spirit? Why don't we let wisdom transform our hearts? Because when you look at the world, I mean, there are dangers all around us, aren't there? There are people and places that want to drag us away from God and down the road to sin and death. We need wisdom not just to transform our hearts, we actually need wisdom to guard our hearts. In verse 12, that, that's exactly what it'll do. It will rescue you from the way of evil. It will rescue us from people who lead us away from the right paths of wisdom, people who lead us down the ways of darkness. See, these people, they lead us away from justice, away from righteousness, away from integrity. They lead us away from Christ. These are those fools who say in their hearts, there is no God. And the risk is that they might just change our hearts. We might just become like one of them. Instead of wisdom transforming us, it's the world that conforms us. They say... You can always pick out a young corporate worker. They wear a French cuffed shirt with Hugo Boss cufflinks, a Gucci tie and a designer suit, and of course, how could the outfit be complete without a pair of polished RMs? Collins Street, I think, has to be one of the most conformist places in our city. And if we're so easily influenced in what we wear, how easily influenced might we be in how we live? Because so often, that French cuff shirt, the Hugo Boss cufflinks, the Gucci tie, the designer suit, all of that comes with a worldview, a life, a path, a destiny. And so many 
young workers will sell their souls to be cookie-cutter corporate machines. They think they've found success, but they couldn't be more lost. And if we aren't careful, it can be remarkably easy to live as this world lives. Be very careful. If you are in close and intimate relationship with this world, Proverbs 2 wants to say that you are in clear and present danger. Of course, one friend once told me, but Adam, I'm trying to influence them. And Proverbs will say, don't be a fool. We always overestimate our influence on the world and totally underestimate its influence on us. Wisdom guards our hearts from that ungodly influence. It guides us away from those people and places that threaten our hearts both in this world and in the next. Wisdom will rescue you from the way of evil. And next week we're going to see more of what that looks like. But for today I want you to notice that in this passage there are only two paths you can walk in this life. There are only two ways of living. If you follow the way of the good, you will inhabit the land. You'll get life. And as Christians, we know that means eternal life and starting now. But if you walk down the ways of darkness, you will be cut off from the land, cut off from life itself. You see, friends, we all have a choice to make. We all stand at a fork in the road. Will we walk the way of life? Or will we stumble down the path of death? Will our hearts be given to God or will they be sold out to the world? There are only two ways to live, but only one way to life. Get wisdom into your heart. Let wisdom transform your heart and let wisdom guard your heart. Now, you might be sitting here feeling just a little bit ripped off. You might be thinking, I wanted to know if I should apply for that job. I wanted to know if I should buy that house. I wanted to know if I should ask her out. Well, here's my answer. If your heart, big if, if your heart has been changed by God, if it is being transformed by His Spirit, if you love what God loves and hates what God hates, if you are killing sin daily and loving Jesus in every moment, if you are growing in your godliness, your holiness, your Christ-likeness, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Ask for the, apply for the job or, or don't. Buy the house or don't. Ask her out. Gosh, ask her to marry you if you want. Maybe take it a little bit slower. Enjoy the freedom of following Jesus. I said last week that we believe in a big God and there is no problem too small for this big God. And I don't want to misrepresent that, but can I just say there are some things that I think that God is just not overly stressed about. A lot of the things that we agonize over, should I accept a great offer at this firm or that firm, I don't really think he minds that much. See, friends, if your heart isn't transformed by wisdom, if your heart doesn't love what God loves, then be very, very careful. The world may just be dragging you down the ways of darkness. Because the reality is God cares far more about who you are than what you do. He wants to see spiritual fruit, not religious nuts. God cares about what you desire. 
He cares about who you love. I mean, why do you want that job? Why do you want the house? Why do you like her so much? If your heart is being transformed by God, your motivation is purified by His Spirit, big if, do whatever you want. Delight yourself in the Lord. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because God Himself will be our greatest delight. And He alone will be our supreme desire. Let me pray. God of all wisdom, by your Spirit, transform our hearts that we might treasure your wisdom, that we might love what you love and hate what you hate. Guard and protect us by your Spirit so that we might reach our world to know, love and live for Jesus.